Well, if you'll take your Bibles this morning, let's turn to Philippians chapter number 2. Once again, we began last week here in Philippians 2, talking about living in a sinful world. And uh, uh, really, the, the verse 15 talks about that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. We know we live in a crooked and perverse nation. Crooked and perverse world. And we began last week by looking at the first two verses and talking about when we live in uh, times such as these as believers, the Lord wants us to have the mind of Christ. We talk about having the mind of Christ. Verse 5 is really our um, text for these two uh, messages last week and this week. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And we talked about how every believer should desire to be more like Christ Jesus in their lives because Romans 8.29 points out that that is our destiny, to be conformed to the very image of Christ. Colossians 3, verse 3 and 4 talks about how our life is hid with Christ in God and how that Christ is our life. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then ye shall appear with him in glory. Now here in our text, we see the Apostle Paul exhorting believers to see Jesus as uh, their example for, uh, for living the Christian life. And uh, last week in verses one and two, we saw four things that express how Christ would have us to be as believers. And all of them are harmony related. Harmony. Okay. We need, first of all, we saw we needed to be like-minded with, with that mind being the mind of Christ. We, we need to have the same love. And we, we talked about how the, 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 same, the same love that Christ had and has for each of us is the same love that we're to have toward each other as believers. And then we talked about how we needed to be in one accord. Every believer has the Holy Spirit living inside. And if we uh, walk in the Spirit as the Lord would have us to, then there will always be harmony with other believers. You can't walk in with being filled with the Spirit and me walk being filled with the Spirit and us have contention. It won't happen. There's no contention with the Spirit of God. And then we talked about how we are to be of one mind, an expression which means thinking the same thing. <coughs> now, these expressions denote the same thing. The Lord would have His church to be in complete harmony as members of Christ's body. That talks about union of heart, Union of feeling, union of plan, union of purpose. And he wished them to avoid all divisions and strifes. Now, this morning, uh, we want to see the need to be like Jesus in our humility. We talked about harmony. This week, we're going to talk about humility. Verse 8 of uh, what we're going to read. Let's go ahead and read our, our scripture, and we'll come back and take a look. But I want us to read uh, down through verse 11. We'll begin with verse 1, and we dealt with verse 1 and 2 last week. 
Verse 1 says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, and we said there, there is, <laughs> if there be any comfort of love, and there's, there's that too in Christ, if any fellowship of the Spirit, you know, we that are saved, we all have that same Spirit, and if we are partnering with the Spirit, the Spirit partnering with us, uh, and then he said, if any bowels and mercies, Paul talk, was talking about uh, if they had any compassion for him at all, he says, fulfill ye my joy. And those four things, that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, and of one mind. Very easy outline. You know, I, you know when, when you preach the Bible, if you just preach the Bible, the outline just comes right out of it. And we got, that was a four-point outline there last week. Now, uh, verse 3, we pick up here. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, that's humility, okay? Lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. That takes humility also, okay? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Note, who, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. Think about that for just a minute. The very Son of God humbled himself to come to fulfill the will of the Father for us. <laughs> and look at verse uh, 8. Being found in fashion as a man. Here it is. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, <clears throat> even the death of the cross. Wherefore, in other words, because he did that, because he willingly humbled himself, because he, he came and he humbled himself on our behalf, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. <clears throat> so we need to be like Jesus in our humility. Verse 8 says that the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, uh, being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Now, first thing I want to deal with this morning is, first let's look at the opposite of humility. And that is pride. We, we live in a very prideful age, don't we? We do. Uh, what is pride? Well, according to Webster's Dictionary, pride is uh, when someone has an in inordinate amount of self-esteem. It, it's an unreasonable conceit of one's own superiority. Whether that superiority be in talents, beauty, wealth, accomplishments, rank, elevation in office, whatever. <laughs> so that's what pride is. How does pride manifest itself? Again, Webster's Dictionary tells us that pride manifests itself in lofty airs. Uh, you, can, you, know, you know, the pictures of folks sticking their nose up in the air. Okay, I'm better than you looking down, looking down on you. Uh, it manifests itself in that, in distance, in reserve, often in haughty contempt for and rude treatment of others. <clears throat> now we know where pride comes from, don't we? 
The Bible's very clear about it. The, pri- the Bible says that pride stems from, from the old Adamic nature, man's fallen nature that he's born with. At least our pride comes from there. It says Mark seven twenty two. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. It comes from that old Adamic nature. Of course, man got his old Adamic nature from following Satan instead of following God. And, And Satan's original sin, we know, is shown to be pride as well in Isaiah 14, verse 13 and 14. With his five I will statements... Those five I will statements. He says, For for thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars. I will sit upon, upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will be like the Most High. That's the way that Satan was. <clears throat> and uh, that is the pride that he had. Pride is, we could just say pride is the original sin. Because that's what it is. What is God's perspective on pride? Proverbs 8, verse number 13 says, Pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. God hates pride. Proverbs 6, 16 says that it's an abomination. So these six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. Number one on the list, a proud look. A proud look. What does pride do? Well, the Bible tells us uh, pride, first of all, it causes contention. Anytime you see contention going on, there's pride involved. Proverbs 13.10 says, Only by pride cometh contention. Pride brings deception. Uh, The little book of Obadiah is an Old Testament book that you don't hear much about, but it's speaking of Edom. And it says, the pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. Pride brings deception. Um, pride hardens a, spirit, a person. Pride hardens a person. We see many examples of this in Scripture. Think about Pharaoh in the book of Exodus. As uh, Moses went to him and said, Thus saith the Lord, let my people go. And we know that uh, Pharaoh hardened his heart in Moses' day. And in, in Exodus 5.2, Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. That's pride. That's a, pride, a proud look that he had. It stemmed from pride. Nebuchadnezzar, in the book of Daniel, his mind was hardened in pride in, uh, back in Daniel's day. Daniel 5 and verse 20 tells us this. It says, But when his heart was lifted up, and his mind hardened in pride. He was deposed from his kingly throne, and they took his glory from him. That's after God warned him, you know, uh, that uh, uh, about pride in his life. But he got proud anyway. Pride will t- cause one to turn from seeking after God. Psalms 10 verse 4 says, The pride through the, the wicked, excuse me, the wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. 
I mean, when someone fails to seek after God, what they're literally saying is, I don't need God. Don't need God in my life. Um, pride leads men into other wickedness and vileness as well. God uh, says that pride was one of the chief sins of Sodom. Now, when we think of Sodom, that's not the first thing that pops in our mind. But in Ezekiel 16, verse 49, it's the first thing on, on uh, the Lord's list. It says there, Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Very first thing, pride, fullness of bread, abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. There was more going on there than uh, the wicked sodomy that they were involved in. Pride is what brought it about. Pride leads men into other wickedness and violence. But I also want you to know that pride sets one up for judgment. It is what caused Satan to be brought low. Isaiah 14 verse 15 uh, it says, Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Uh, it, Satan's brought, going to be brought low because of that pride. It's what caused others to be brought low as well. Pharaoh's pride brought him down. Ten plagues after he uh, failed to listen to the Lord and said he wasn't going to listen to the Lord. Well, ten plagues later, he let God's people go. Nebuchadnezzar's pride brought him down. You can read about that in Daniel 5. We'll not turn to that. But you'll also see his grandson, Belshazzar. Uh, his uh, grandfather's pride that he had. Uh, he didn't learn anything from that. You know, it's, a sad, it's sad when we see somebody walking in the paths of sin and we don't learn uh, what, it got, what it brought in their lives. Um, and that's the way Belshazzar was. He didn't learn from his, his, his grandfather Nebuchadnezzar being brought down. Edom's pride brought her down. That Obadiah, verse number 4 says, Though thou exalt thyself as the eagle, though thou set thy nest among the stars, thence will I bring thee down, saith the Lord. The Lord mentioned that pride was their problem, and God was going to deal with that pride by bringing her Edom down. Now listen, pride will bring us down as well. Proverbs 16, verse 18 says, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. So we've looked at the opposite of humility, and that's pride. Now let's take a look at this matter of humility. What is humility? Well, Webster's Dictionary defines it as freedom from pride and arrogance humbleness of mind, a modest estimate of one's own worth. It goes on to say that with regard to the things of God, humility may consist of lowliness of mind, a deep sense of one's own unworthiness in the sight of God, self-abasement and submission to the divine will. When we submit to God's will, that's an act of humility. When we say, no, I'm going to have my will, I'm going to do what I want to do. That is pride when we go against God. Again, humility is the opposite of pride. And it's also the opposite of vainglory that's mentioned there in uh, one of the verses that we read there, verse number three. It's the opposite of vainglory. It's the opposite of haughtiness, being puffed up, boasting, 
self-will, self-glory, and self-promotion. Our text tells us that humility is having the mind of Christ. The whole thing that this points to is we're to have the mind of Christ. There in verse number 5, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. And then verse number 8, being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. So you can't have the mind of Christ without having uh, a, a, a humility about you. What does our text say about the characteristics of the humility that we are to manifest? Well, in verse 3, we see humility is not seeking or demanding personal recognition. It says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. So, not seeking or demanding personal recognition. It's esteeming others better than oneself. Uh, humility is also caring for others, not just caring for self. Uh, verse 4, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. You know, we're, we're quick to look out for ourselves. Look out for num- number one. I, me, my, mind, us four, no more, right? I mean, that's the way mankind is. Uh, uh, but the, we're to look out for others as well. Humility is caring, caring for others, not just caring for yourself. Humility is having that mind of Christ there in verse 5. And humility is submitting to God and His will. God's will was for His Son uh, to come into this world, to die for our sin, and uh, we are told that in Scripture that was God's will. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. It was God's will to send His Son into the world for the express purpose of dying for your sin and for mine. And I'm so glad that He did because we could not have been saved apart from God doing that and God loving us that way. But it took a submitting. It took a submitting by the, the, the Son of God it took a humility by the Son of God to... Uh, you think about... Uh, he's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the Master of the universe. He created it all. And yet He became man. And He humbled Himself and became obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross. Not just death. But the, 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 the crucifixion. He submitted Himself to, to be crucified on the cross of Calvary on our behalf. Now the bottom line is this. Humility is not to have self-confidence, but is to be totally dependent upon God. And even when Jesus came, we know that Jesus was God in the flesh, but he submitted himself to his Father, his Heavenly Father. He, he uh, um, what, what his Father wanted, I mean, we, we can even see in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, as he prayed, uh, uh, Father, if if uh, this cup shall can pass from me, uh, let it pass. But nevertheless, not my will, but Thy will be done. Okay, may not have got all the words right there, but the idea was he was submissive to his heavenly Father. And uh, let's see what humility is not. Now we know that Christ was humble. He was meek and lowly in heart. In fact, he said as much in Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. 
He said, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. So listen, by, by observing Christ, we can not only see what humility is, but also what it is not. When we look at the life of Christ, you read in the Gospels, uh, a lot of, we're not given every detail of Christ's life. You know? uh, it probably would have taken a lot, lot more. Uh, we'd be carrying around a much bigger Bible had it all been recorded. Uh, but uh, we have enough to know what Christ was like and what he wasn't like. Amen? And uh, we know that uh, humility is not cowardice or timidity because that's not the way Jesus was. I'm, I'm not going to turn there this morning, but I've given you the reference there and the notes of John chapter 2, verses 13 through 17 gives us the, the uh, account of Jesus' uh, encounter with the merchants and money changers there in the temple. Uh, they were desecrating the house of the Lord with uh, their actions and uh, he drove them out. Uh, some, some folks would say that that, that didn't uh, that would go against what Christ should be but the Christ was that because he was jealous for his heavenly father. He was jealous for the fact that uh, the, the house of the Lord was supposed to be a, a house of prayer. And he said, you've made it a den of thieves is what you've done. So he was not a coward. He was not timid. He did what he had to do in that instance. He had a righteous anger and drove the merchants and the money changers out of the temple. Also, understand that Jesus was not afraid to rebuke folks when folks need to rebuke him. We, we find accounts of that. Uh, just give you one, John eight forty four. He told a group of Jews, say, you're of your father the devil, and the lust of your father he, ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And so we, we see that uh, uh, he was not afraid to, to, to give folks a rebuke. That's, I'm just giving you one example. You can go through Scripture and you find multiple examples of that. Well, we know that Jesus did not even back off from speaking the truth even in the face of danger. John chapter number 10 records that uh, Jesus was uh, talking to some folks that had rocks in their hands, getting ready to throw them at him. Okay? <clears throat> you think you might just back out of the way, not say anything, try to get out of there as quick as you could? Well, Jesus didn't. They look at John chapter number 10 and verse number 31. When Jesus had said, said there in verse number 30, that I and my Father are one, these Jews knew that he was claiming equality with God the Father. And it says in verse 31, John 10, verse 31, then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. This wasn't the first time that they took up stones. Uh, but uh, here's another instance here where they took up stones and Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my Father. And that's true. Amen? He said, For, for, for which of those works do you stone me? Uh, the Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. And because that thou being a man makest thyself God. Well, Jesus wasn't going to back down on his his. Uh, deity, and he didn't. Um, he uh, uses an illustration here. He said, uh, from uh, 
the book of the Psalms, and he's, Jesus answered them, verse 34, Is it not written in your law, I said, ye are gods? If, if he called them gods unto whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, say ye of him whom the Father hath sanctified and sent into the world, thou blasphemest, because I said, I am the Son of God. If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. But if I do, though ye believe not me, believe the works, that ye may know and believe that the Father is in me, and I in him. Therefore they sought again to take him, but he escaped out of their hands. Think about it. Jesus wasn't afraid to stand for the truth, even in the midst of personal danger. Jesus did not back off from pointing out the error of others. Look at uh, Matthew. I'm going to have you turn to this one. Matthew chapter number 23. <clears throat> Matthew 23. And he was warning uh, the uh, multitude and his disciples about the scribes and the Pharisees. And in Matthew 23, verse number 1, Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do, but do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. In other words, uh, follow the law. I mean, they're sharing with you the law, and the law is good. <laughs> But, but don't be like them. I mean, they, they talk the law, but they don't do the law. That's what he's saying. Verse 4. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders, but they, they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they, they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. And love the uppermost rooms at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues. He's, he's pointing out their pride here. And greetings in the markets and, and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But be ye not, be, be not ye called Rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ. And all ye are brethren. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master. And then he says there in verse 11, But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. That's the humbling. Amen. And notice verse 12, Whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. He that shall humble himself shall be exalted. And well, I'm going to refer back to this, the rest of this here in just a moment. But we see that that Jesus did not back off from pointing out the error of others. Uh, uh, humility is not, it's not uh, cowardice, timidity. We also know that humility is not having an apologizing, self-degrading attitude. I'm not going to turn to John 6. John 6 deals with Jesus being the bread of life, the whole thing. At the beginning, he... He feeds the 5,000, five loaves, two fish. We know the story. Next day, some of those same folks come looking for him again. He said, you didn't come to me because you wanted to, to hear me. You came to me because I fed you yesterday and you came back to get some more. That's what you came back for. 
And then he began his discourse about being the bread of life. And so he was, he was uh, uh, talking about the truth of who he was. He didn't have a self-degrading attitude. He was the bread of life that did come down out of heaven. He didn't back off on that. Also, I want you to see humility is not uncertainty. Um, Matthew 7, 29 says, For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Not as the scribes. And humility is not quietness in the face of unrepentant evil. Now, we know the, the scribes and the Pharisees were part of that unrepentant evil. And in Matthew 23, in verses 13 through 33, you will see over and over again, Jesus pronounced a woe upon them. He says, look at verse 13, But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Verse 14, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Verse 15, again. And verse 16, again. Verse 23, again. Verse 25, again. <laughs> verse 27, again. Verse 29, again. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. He was not going to be quiet about the issues with the scribes and the Pharisees. Uh, he, uh, he addressed their uh, evil that they had in their lives. Why do we need humility in our lives? Well, Scripture tells us as believers we're to, uh, we're to be clothed with it. We're to be clothed with humility. Colossians 3, verse 12 says, Put on therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. Those things require humility. Um, in 1 Peter 5, 5, we're, Peter wrote that we're to be clothed with humility. Humility precedes being given grace from God. Listen to 1 Peter 5, verse 5 and 6. He says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Um, so humility precedes that being given grace from God. Humility uh, precedes also being exalted or honored by God. We'll see more verses about that in just a minute. But humility is needed to receive God's word properly. James 1, 21. Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Listen, none of us have arrived. And we all need God's Word. We need God's Word to address the issues that we have in our life and uh, to become more like Christ. And that humility <clears throat> precedes our being exalted and honored by God in the same way that Christ's humility. We read about Christ's humility there in uh, our text in Philippians chapter number 2 and verses 9 through 11 and wherefore God also hath highly exalted him talking about Christ 
Given him a name which is above every name. Now see, all of that came after Christ humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Humility preceded that being exalted and honored by his heavenly Father. Matthew 23, 12, that I mentioned a while ago, Whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. James mentions in James 4, 10, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Proverbs 15, verse 33, The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. Proverbs 18, 12, Before destruction the heart of man is haughty, and before honor is humility. Proverbs 22, verse number 4, By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. So humility precedes being exalted or honored by God. And then humility is essential for greatness in God's kingdom. The Lord tells us in Matthew 18, 4, Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as a little child, uh, the same shall be greatest in the kingdom of heaven. We need humility in our lives to be more like Christ. Where does humility come from? Well, understand that humility is a product or fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Galatians 5.23 talks about one of the fruits of the Spirit is meekness associated with humility. Amen. Pride is a product or fruit of the flesh. Before we got saved, that was us, full of pride. Uh, and our flesh produced that. <clears throat> but the Holy Spirit, as we walk in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit produces His meekness with us. It comes from walking in the Spirit. Galatians 5.16 This I say then, walk in the Spirit, ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Humility comes from letting the mind of Christ be in us. Amen. Uh, we see Christ's humility. We not only see it, but we desire it and surrender to it and embrace it in our own life. Christ is our example for life. Example of harmony and example toward humility. So the question is, whose mind do you have this morning? The mind of Satan? The mind of the world? The mind of the flesh? Or the mind of Christ? What Jesus wants is for us to have His mind. And that begins with salvation. And it continues as we surrender ourselves to God's will. Do you know the Lord this morning? Are you saved? If not, you need to humble yourself, present yourself before the Lord and say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Come to Him, come to a saving knowledge of Him, and then, and only then, can you have the mind of Christ, that humility of mind, and you surrender to God's will, whatever God's will might be for you. you know, each of us have a, a will of God for our lives. Some things are the will of God for every one of us as believers, but some things are different for you than they are for me. You know, God's called me to preach. This is the will of God. I'm doing the will of God that God has called me to. But not everybody's called to preach. Uh, but I, it requires surrender. I can tell you that. You, you've got to surrender in order to do the, the will of the Lord for your life. So come to know the Lord if you don't know Him. And if you do know Him, surrender yourself 
to his will for you. Let's pray. Father, 